right, everyone. Welcome back to Stories from a Mountain Town. This is your host, Tyler Meany, here, uh, coming at you live from Jackson, Wyoming, up on Saddle Butte. And with me today, I have my good friend, Alex Kissenergis. Kissenergis. I got it this time. Right before we started recording, I had to ask him to say it, even though we've known known each other for a while now. Um, But yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, and we have, exciting. yeah, definitely exciting. You're our second guest after our other buddy, Jeff was on a couple weeks ago. Now is when I last yeah. recorded that. Yeah. So you have some big size 10 shoes to fill. I'm an 11. Yeah. I think I just think he's, he's smaller. <laughs> um, and, uh, for the episode today, we both have a, ourselves a glass of whiskey. I have, let's see, I have some Buffalo Trace Kentucky straight bourbon. And Alex has some tin cup American whiskey. Have you had tin cup before? Yeah, yeah. If, if you were going to ask me before the show what what you wanted me to bring, I was going to say tin cup. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, one of my favorites. It's super drinkable. Um, and then just, I'm a sucker for marketing. Like the way they brand it as like a mountain whiskey really like pulls on me. Oh, yeah. It's home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, so if you haven't heard of tin cup, it's a, just an American whiskey. It's pretty, it's pretty mild, right? It's pretty super drinkable. It's not anything crazy fancy. It's not expensive. But it comes with a little tin shot glass on the cap. It's not there now. Yeah. Well, I actually have it up, I have it up there. Um, and then it's, its bottle is like this. What is this? Like a hexagon or an octagon shape. And, uh, and then it's thicker glass for a couple reasons so that if you drop it, it won't break if it, like you drop it on like some rocks or gravel if you're on a mountain. And then it's the shape it is so it won't roll or slide down a mountain if you do drop it out there. Oh, is that the purpose? Yeah. Yeah. I looked it up on their website. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's like, like this This would roll down a mountain. So this, it's functional too. It's not just... Yeah. Functional uh, whiskey for being in the mountains. And all their all the marketing, all their branding is all like bring us out in the mountains because you don't need anything but the bottle and the, the cup that comes with it and we're your mountain whiskey and as you guys may know i love the mountains so that makes me want to buy it but yeah it's good stuff and they don't sponsor you so you're just talking from <laughs> the uh the heart there huh yeah uh tin cup if you're listening i would love a bottle <laughs> maybe three yeah maybe three you can be we're actually taking we're taking um offers to be the official whiskey of stories from mountain town if anybody is interested in that we're definitely open at tin cup whiskey at at tin cup if you're listening or buffalo trace buffalo trace is really good too just doesn't have that mountain uh aspect to it that i that i love buffalo wyoming it's it's still there yeah yeah it's a I mean, it's from Kentucky, but I don't think they've had buffalo there for a long time, no. or ever. Not since, uh, not since we wiped them all out, probably. Yeah. Have you ever seen those freaking pictures of, like, during the pioneer times, of the the pile of buffalo yeah, skulls? Yeah, the guy who's just he stands up there like he's mountaineering. Yeah, yeah. It's like and it's he, like taller than my house. Oh, it's grotesque. It's morbid. It's awful. Yeah, buffalo used to like. <laughs> Literally be, 
across the entire plains from like the Sierra Nevadas to the Mississippi, basically, I think, or even farther, farther east than that. Mm-hmm. But like herds of the in the thousands, and now like we see a lot of them here, but they're not in the thousands. And I don't think you see them many other places. I mean, South Dakota, you see them plenty of times in like the black or the Black Hills, but and probably in Colorado too. But there's not just the massive range that there used mm-hmm. to be. Imagine being pioneers or settlers, and you got this big animal with tons of meat that doesn't move very fast. Yeah, <laughs> just sits there. Yeah, easy pickings. I wonder if their guns like had issues. Uh, it's a good doing question. any damage to a buffalo because buffalo's like hides are really thick and their skin and bones are really hard. They have elephant guns, right? They're they, they I, are I guns for elephants. Yeah, now Pretty they sure. do. I don't know, but like, back in back in <laughs> there are, there is a thing is called an elephant gun. So it's like a giant round. I don't know anything about guns, but I just I picture the Looney Tunes. Yeah, um, Yosemite Sam comes out with the uh, the big like bell shaped elephant gun. Yeah. And just don't know if it's real. It's like a cannonball. Uh, that's all I know about elephant guns. Yeah, I always <laughs> think whenever I go to uh, Mormon Row, here you've been there. Yeah, yeah, right, right by uh, in front of the Grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- for those for the listeners who haven't been here, there's you've probably seen pictures if you've ever looked up the Grand Teton or Grand Teton National Park. There's this barn, this row of old barns right out in front of it, and takes really awesome pictures. Where a bunch of Mormons settled in like uh, the 1800s, and I always think because it's right in the migration route for elk and the elk and buffalo in the area. Mm-hmm. So imagine you like you settle there in you know the summer you, when you get there or whenever, and there's no elk around really at that time. And then one day you just wake up and there's thousands of elk out your door. You heard those things yell? Yeah. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah. That's one of the scariest noises I've ever heard. Really? I can't imagine waking up to hundreds of the, hundreds of those things doing that. Yeah, that would be nuts. I bet I bet once they're in the refuge, we'll be able to hear them. Oh, from your house? Yeah. Like the window Actually, I'm living over there now, too. Yeah, you could probably hear them. Maybe. Yeah. So, Alex, um, when did you move to Jackson? Uh, I've been out here a little over a year. So, September of last year. Wow. I didn't realize you came that early. Uh, and you came out... For, did you start at a full-time job or an internship with Steo? No, no. I actually, I came out here. I was working at a hotel north of town. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Which one? Um, the Flat Creek Inn. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Isn't that the one right at the base of my road? No. No, no. It's the furthest north uh, hotel. Oh. So the one that has like, like the art the... gallery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, across from the Elk Refuge. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, I had taken the first job that called me out here. So they were the first. Yeah, I, I was always hesitant about getting um, getting too worried about like just jumping on the first opportunity out here. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of wanted to do it do it my way or like a less stressful way. Yeah. To just, instead of just like picking up everything, getting a job that relates to here, um, I wanted to like, you know, have, bring my job with me, mm-hmm. which was, I don't know what you're doing before that, but I don't know if it's not always doable. No, I mean, I, 
I had to take the first job that care <laughs> the first opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just the easiest way to do it for me to get out here and get a foot in the door, so to speak. It's, yeah, it, it is hard to get here when you're not here or near here. And you don't have like a friend, friends or family that live here. Yeah. Because um, so much of difficult. like housing and even probably job postings is like word of mouth and newspaper. Jackson's well, one of the they, few towns where the newspaper is actually valuable. Yeah, the newspaper, for those of you that don't live in Jackson, is pretty much the only way other than word of mouth to find housing here. You're not going to find anything on Zillow. Yeah. Or rent.com or anything. If you, I mean, if you want to buy a house for like $2 million, there's a lot of that on Zillow. Right. But there's no rental rentals and, yeah. and no rentals that are like any sort of middle class price. No. No. The the housing here is a big situation in, in most mountain towns from what I understand. Yeah. This one, this one, Jackson diff, is different than most mountain towns because of the scarcity of land. It's completely um, surrounded by federal land. Yeah. There's only um, – my buddy Fred, who's the real estate agent here, he told me there's only like 3% or something of developable land in Teton County left. So that takes out everything that's already been built on believe that. the town. It takes up the yeah. Elk Refuge, the National Park, National Forest. Um, any of the parks in town. And – yeah, any of the city parks and any of the area along the snake that's a floodplain. Take so where the sporting club is? Or is that too far south? Uh, well, that's Teton County still, yeah. Is it? So yeah, and even that, even the, even the sporting club, most of their golf course is like on a floodplain. They had to like do a ton to keep the river back. Right. Uh, where, the, where the holes are closest to the snake. Yeah, I'd heard about that. Have you golfed there? Yeah, twice. Once. Um, a few years ago, we were just out here for the summer, and that guy, Fred, he was selling the houses uh, on the course right, for, right. for them, and they kind of they just let him come out and play. So me, my dad, my brother, and him played around, and it was like a six-hour round, like the longest round ever because it's a super hard course. And then the other time was this summer. I just met this guy um, named Ryan Guthrie at the Cowboy Bar randomly. And he said he worked there. And then my buddy Alex was out and he's a big golfer and I'm a golfer. So we're like, yeah, we golf, blah, blah, blah. We're doing, um, you know, we played the links a lot to allow dogs. And he was like, oh yeah, I, I work for the sporting club and we can go. I'd love to hit, take you out there someday. So we did this summer. That's cool. Yeah. It's the hardest and nicest course I've ever played. And it's not even... Not even a question. There's no question. Really? It's super, it's very nice, but it's so difficult because it's in, you've driven past it, right? Mm-hmm. Or I've been on the river. And so it's there. not a very big, like, part of the canyon that it's in. So the wind is just always every direction. Like, no joke, you'll hit your tee shot and you feel it one direction and then it'll go a different direction because it's different up where your ball would be. Mm-hmm. And then you get out to where you hit your ball and it's a totally different direction and it's always swirling. And then, they dry the course out on purpose, so the greens are hard. They're like, um, there's a word for it, but it's like where they're kind of shaped like this, kind of like dome shaped. The greens are, so that if you are on the edges, they'll their ball will trickle off. Sneaky. Yeah. So it's just another. <laughs> it's like a lot of nice courses do it. Sure. Um, I think it's uh, Pinehurst 
is a famous one that does it on the on the tour. They're famous for those those style of greens. And then at, at Sporting Club, uh, they do the way they set up the holes. So the fairway is a normal width, fast and nice, and then the rough is very skinny, and then it goes right to like big long fescue. So there's times where if you're not hitting at the right angle or didn't hit a good shot, you'll you'll one hop in the fairway, one hop in the rough, and then you lose your ball. Uh, so that's you just lose a ton of balls out there. If you keep it under a hundred, it's a good day. So you gotta come packing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's you know you don't. Those are the kind of courses you don't. You're not playing them because you think you're gonna shoot par. It's the experience of it. Because you're just at this like majestic course where there's not a blade of grass out of place and everything's perfect and like when you putt, there your lines are totally perfect and and so it's just you want to appreciate it for what it is and not for the opportunity to like have a low score. Right. You golf at all? No. No. Most of my friends from high school were on the uh, were on the golf team mm-hmm. and I was the odd man out. Never found a Never found a good drive, so I never wanted to go out and do it for fun. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a competitive guy, so it was never – when I'm not good at it, I might steer clear from it. Yeah, it takes a while to get into it, and there's very few people that are just like – they're in it, and they're really good right away. It's like the motion you have to do – I think that there's a quote from like, like Byron Nelson or something. He's like a golf legend that says like, when you're swinging a golf club, whatever your body is trying to get you to do, do the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's just like the epitome of like how difficult a good golf swing is to repeat and get your body to do over time. Mm-hmm. Makes it hard for a, uh, a newcomer to, to really do have any sort of good swing. Yeah. And, and did your dad golf? Yeah. Brothers? Yeah. My dad golfed but probably when i was young not to the point where ever i had the i ever had the chance to learn with him yeah so independently getting into golf i feel like isn't as common as getting brought into it from a younger age or maybe like once you hit business um yeah business yeah. level stuff yeah we always I mean, our dad was always like you know chipping around the yards we would do that with him when we were kids and mm-hmm. And then that, and then he would like sometimes bring him, bring us with him to the driving range or whatever. So it was like a, like a thing you do with your dad. But a lot of people too, um, they get you know they get out of college and they get their big boy job, right? And that and they're like, all right, I want to start golfing now. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I got my big boy job out here, so um, yeah. <laughs> this probably isn't the golf mecca of the world. I have other. Most people have other hobbies. I mean, obviously you golf. I know a ton of people that golf out here. Yeah. But, it's um, hard to. It's like the courses here in Jackson, uh, only two of them, I mean, there's like five or six, only two of them allow non-members to play. Right. And it's pretty expensive Which to play two those. Uh, Teton Pines and Jackson Hole Golf and Tennis. Golf and Tennis does? I don't know. Yeah, that. for like you know, like 150 for, for a non-member. Too much money. Yeah, that's just a lot for one round of golf. It's a day at the ski resort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and then there's courses on the other side of Teton Pass, which is in Idaho, 
and they have some more manageable ones. Like the, I played today, the one um, that I play 99% of my rounds at is the Lynx at Teton Peaks. It's only like $30 a round, um, and they allow dogs. And uh, for the listeners, you'll I, I'm getting the head pro there, Brent Baldwin, on um, on either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll record another episode, so that'll be coming up soon after this one. So you hear more about that course and, and uh, how I met him and uh, my relationship with him. As you know, I do uh, a lot of the, all the marketing for them. Yeah. So there's a lot more um, golfer-friendly courses over on that side. Lower cost of living over there, too. Yeah. Brings the price down. Yeah, there's also a ton of... Um, Back when, like right before the recession hit, they were building all these like fancy neighborhoods over there to be like either, you know, it's around a golf course and you have nice houses mm-hmm. or it's like around like uh, a place people could keep their horses at and they could ride their horses there and the nice houses around it or they're near or it's near Targi and they're a ski, a ski cabin for someone. And then the recession hit and then like a lot of places, all those investments just flopped because then no one had any money to buy a house there. Mm-hmm. And they thought that because of the scarcity over here, people would spill over to there because it's just as, it's just as close. It's just as beautiful. You can do all the same stuff, but it's just like a little cheaper. And there's, and there's plenty of open land there to develop. But then, yeah, it just never hit. So have you, when is the last time you drove... When you Over went to, to Driggs? Yeah, when you went to Targi? Yeah, we went ski Targi maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yeah. So you, if you see like these different neighborhoods that's popped up, there's like five houses in a space that should have 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what happened over there. So you could probably actually, right, right now probably not as much. They're pretty high value. But in other times, you could probably get some of those houses for a nice price. Right. More affordable than in the valley here. Yeah, the rule the rule here in Jackson in the real estate market is whether it's a house or just land, if you can see the, the Grand Teton, it's worth $2 million. And that rule holds pretty, pretty true. Just about everywhere. Um, you can't see it from here, can you? Yeah, we can see it out the of this door, just the very tip of it. The very top of it is just over there on Gandhi. Nice. Yeah. It's cool. So we don't, we, Taylor and I rent this place, so we didn't buy this for $2 million. We don't have $2 million. <laughs> um, Cash. Yeah. But the, all, there's plenty of houses for sale up here that are just obscenely in amounts of zeros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you grew up in Detroit. Um, Could you just kind of talk us through what it was like living there and having your family work uh, in the auto industry when all that stuff was happening and during the recession and like, you know, how it affected your day-to-day life, how it affected, you know, everything. Cause it was pretty yeah. substantial what happened. Yeah. I mean, no place got hit harder than Detroit. Yeah. Um, just devastated, devastated the area yeah. uh, and already devastated area just from, uh, you know, the history of Detroit. Um, day-to-day life. I was in middle school when it happened. 
So I wasn't too personally affected, but I was affected in the sense that you could see the stress level in my dad coming home. My dad worked with Chrysler. Um, his stress level went through the roof and you could see it. Like, you know, when your parents are stressed. Yeah. Um, and I had tons of friends move away. Like probably half of my close friends moved away. Um, and you could just see the area financially get destroyed. It, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, I'd say my I come from a more conservative family. Um, not not maybe socially, but I'm fiscally, and uh, my dad was like. I think everybody's going to vote for Obama on this one because uh, he's going to bail us out. Yeah. And the Republicans didn't want to. So you had this huge, um, I mean, Michigan was already a blue state, but it went really blue um, right after that because the conservatives didn't want to bail out the auto companies during the recession. Mm-hmm. And Obama did. Yeah, that's an interesting, I generally, you know, I'm, not a big like federal government uh, stepping in to do stuff kind of guy, but that that situation was one of them where it's like, this is probably the right move. Yeah, I mean, so much of the country, I forget the number. It's it's a way higher percentage than you think it is is dependent on the auto industry. Yeah, yeah, you've told me this before because it's like not just the manufacturers, but then it's like tires. Um, there's suppliers, parts. Yeah, yeah. dealers. The parts, even in when uh, like. Chrysler makes a car. There's components from a bunch of different other companies too. Oh yeah, you got hundreds, probably hundreds of, of different companies making parts for yeah. one car. And then everyone that works at dealerships, and then the servicing of them, and then everything down the line, and then and then obviously also the consumer, mm-hmm. where if like Chrysler or Ford or one of the big ones went under, how long would it take for American innovation to give to give us another option like one of those big ones. I just don't think we have we're, – we're like capitalism in this country has grown to the point where you have these mega companies. Yeah. You don't see like any – there's a reason you don't see any small car companies coming to the market. Tesla yeah. is like the newest example of a car company coming into the market. And it's yeah. just like imagine trying to break in with the amount of parts and technology in a car. Like if Ford and Chrysler and GM went under, like you probably wouldn't have a, an American auto company other than – Tesla. Yeah. In my uneducated opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. And there's that everyone is afraid of, or everyone hates the term too big to fail. But in this situation, since it's not just like, like the Wall Street banks, mm-hmm. it's people that work in factories, like we just said, all the people that are affected by it. It kind of, it's not too big to fail, but it's just too important to the, to the, the soul of America to let fail. Yeah. And it's iconic too. Like yeah. imagine Jeep. Jeep's just like a Coca-Cola. The most, the most iconic car. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, or Ford would be like that too, probably. Yeah. Wasn't there, wasn't there one of the dealerships didn't take the, um, the. Ford didn't take a bailout. The pay, the bailout. Yeah. Yeah. GM and Chrysler did. Um, Ford. I think it set themselves up well enough beforehand to manage it themselves. Yeah. That's good, too. That's a good way that they did that. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry about that, everyone. I just got a text. He's a popular guy. This happened last time, too, and I told <laughs> myself I got to turn off the sound beforehand, but I forgot. Um, but it's interesting, though, because I, I was just reading this article on, on automotive, and I don't know if you heard this, but Chrysler, so Fiat Chrysler is one company, right? Yeah. So Chrysler owns Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Chrysler. Um, Fiat owns Ferrari, Maserati, Fiat, all those. And they just merged with Peugeot, the French company who owns Opel and um, a lot of like cars you see in Europe. And the article was saying that um, we might see more and more like mega mergers like this in the automotive industry just because they're going to have to brace for this electric vehicle Mm -hmm. wave that's going to hit here. Yeah. And so like to lower the costs of of um, developing this technology and everything, you're going to see all these car companies merge oh, yeah. into one. Is that good, do you think, or, or not good? I don't know. I think that's what happens. I think that's what happens over time. I mean, you see all these media companies merge right now. Yeah, what is there, like phone companies. four? There's only right. four media companies? I think that's just the nature of capitalism. Yeah. But, you know, true, true, so true capitalism should see, you know, they get so super big and then and they are, they're eating up every other company like theirs mm-hmm. and then something happens and then they just kind of dissolve. And, you know, there's always going to be um, disruptors to the markets. And so Tesla kind of is that. So if there's other companies that pop up like Tesla, they could disrupt that sort of thing. And then it's, then it's like, maybe, maybe this big conglomerate can't keep up, but. I think it's just lately like they get so much power and influence where then they can uh, then they get into like buying out politicians and that's a whole different other right, issue. Lobbying. And that's when like the, that stuff is why people sometimes don't like capitalism right. because it, it allows certain industries to have influence when it sh- should really just be who can provide a good product or a, a product that people want to buy. Mm-hmm in the most efficient way and then if you can't you lose right you know within the within reason to keep people safe yeah i think with how expensive it's gotten to enter a market Mm -hmm. like we were talking about earlier where what did what did like elon musk have to do to start tesla the guy he started he started a company and then used that money to buy to invest or to grow paypal and then use paypal to invest into Tesla. Right. So like the And then he had to borrow money from friends for rent. Yeah. I mean like so we're talking we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> right. that he said, "No, I don't want to pocket it. I'm going to just put it into my new company, but but friend, can I have uh, can I have a couple thousand dollars right. for rent?" And so like you used to have companies like the Dodge, the Dodge brothers worked for Ford Motor Company. Mm. They didn't need to be billionaires to, to yeah. start a new company like you do nowadays. Yeah. There's probably there's, – there's some movie uh, – and I have no clue what it is, but I saw it in like high school where there was a disruptor in like the 80s or the 70s where this guy came out with a whole new style of engine, a whole new style of car. And he tried to like sell the idea to big the big car companies and they just laughed him out of the room, just shut him down and then just like – 
kind of sabotaged his effort to create his own car company. Mm-hmm. So there could be um, a conspiracy warning here. There could be like efforts from big from big big car big car companies to shut down disruptors because they have they want to continue to hold hold the industry like they have. Right. I also I also thought Tesla was interesting, um, kind of on a disruptor chain of thought there. Because Tesla, when do you remember when Tesla first came out? It was like a primo luxury vehicle. Yeah. And they cost a ton of money. Uh-huh. And like you had to be very wealthy to afford one. And then he kind of brought it down to where they made a $35,000 Tesla. Try to bring it more down to the people, mass scale. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if the only way to enter an industry like that would be to start off high end with low volume and then work your way down. Yeah, if you can if you know. can market it as such and it and it We're looks starting a business here, guys. Yeah. Watch out, Elon. Coming yeah. for you. I like I like Teslas are such a cool thing because of their performance ability. But the people and and if you buy them and like them for because it's just like this crazy technological advancement and it's good for innovation and all that stuff, that's super cool. But if but if you're buying them because you think it's saving the earth or uh, you know, stopping air pollution. Um, those people are probably need to do some more research. Yeah, the the like components it, uh, that go into those batteries are very. Yeah, have you ever seen a picture of like a lithium mine? What the what they use to put those batteries? It's like it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so think, it does solve the problem that the the face problem of emissions because the car itself doesn't emit anything Mm -hmm. but it doesn't solve the problem the overall problem of climate change or pollution and stuff like that because it the process to get all the all the components for the car have you know x uh what am i trying to say out or emissions emissions uh, yeah to to get them and put them together and all that stuff and then it's i think they actually did a study on like what that what that is that measurement compared to Mm -hmm. like what it would be to the emissions and everything for, you know, a new Chrysler or a new gas powered car. And it was like, it's like basically the same. I think the electric vehicle is pro it's probably better environmentally. Um, I used to have this question when I was younger, I was like, if, if electric vehicles just plug into the wall and our, our, uh, our electricity comes from coal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, isn't it's that actually a coal-powered thing? car. Yeah, but um, in in reality, um, I took like an environmental class in college, and the numbers of what emissions those use from those power plants are way lower than what gasoline does from a car. Um, and the amount of energy that they need to power it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just told. I think the real environmental problem with electric vehicles comes with uh comes with the mining like you said just that what what goes into those batteries and mining those and like the leached chemicals that come from those uh mines yeah there's there's really is almost no perfect solution to wanting to make something do something and not having an impact because to make something do something, you need energy, mm-hmm. and there's energy sources. And when you consume energy or store energy, you need to 
um, there's going to be some sort of byproduct, whether it's like exhaust from a car or to store it, you need that, you, you need a bunch of lithium. Right, right. So for some reason, <laughs> I think people forget that there's not a perfect solution if you want to have modern technology. There's always going to be an impact no, on the I, environment. I think that's the, the, um, I think human nature is naturally going to evolve and evolve to where it's, I mean, think about a hundred years ago when we were just spitting coal out into the air, like it was nothing. Yeah. And streets in Birmingham, England were just black. Wow. You pronounce it the way they do it. Sure. If you, <laughs> well, if you're just, if you were to say Birmingham, well, Alabama, I, Birmingham, Michigan was right next oh, to me, but yeah. I feel like if you burn, that, that is how they say it there. Yeah. Birmingham, Birmingham, Nottingham. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, what we're I'm figuring, really interested we're, we're in, we're figuring it out as a, as a human race. Yes. And I think that as time goes on, things will just get more and more efficient and with less emissions and less impact. Um, when I first went to college, what I really wanted to do was work with hydrogen fuel cells, which mm. are you, are you informed? I don't know anything about anything about those that. are so cool. Um, what do they do? So you've got to develop. You've got to develop. <clears throat> Our buddy Noah just came in. We have another guest on the show. Hey, hey. Hey, Noah. We're recording. We're in the middle of a recording. Welcome. Welcome to Stories from Mountain Town. Did you bring me a burrito? Yeah, I bring it for myself. Oh. We got a little tin cup, a little buffalo trace. Let me see. Very, very festive, Yeah. Yeah, it was Tyler. It's all Tyler. It was all me. I'm the decorator in the nah, couple. Not, not <laughs> um, but when you, so either. What is a hydrogen fuel cell? So hydrogen fuel cells, basically your car is going to run on hydrogen. Uh-huh. In, a, is, in a in gas, a in a gaseous state or a liquid state. Um, solid. I don't know how they work. Never, never went to school for it. <laughs> It was an idea, a grand idea. Yeah. Um, but basically, what, what? I mean, here's a question for you. What do you get when you burn gasoline? What emissions do you get? You, you get, get carbon dioxide. dioxide. All sorts of nasty right? stuff. And uh, when you burn hydrogen, what you get is water vapor mm-hmm. and heat. Yeah. And so your emissions would literally be water vapor. Water. Yeah. But then there'd be something there too where it's like the heat from hydrogen fuel cells is heating up the planet, you know, some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't know. I there's think always, one of the, there's always no, something when you favorite? consume natural yeah. um, energy that comes from nature. Could you see, I think it's Korea. One of the Korean companies is using hydrogen fuel cells. You're going to be the Jamie of the yeah. Jamie Rogan Can you be our young Jamie? Young Noah. Look. You know, people are up. <laughs> hey, Noah, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the Korean companies, I'm pretty sure. Do you know, am I looking something up here? Yeah, yeah. Could you find out who's developing hydrogen fuel cells in the automotive industry? My guy. You're my guy. Noah's going to sit in the corner on every one of these podcasts now. Yeah. You're going to pay him, like, in beer. Yeah. And uh, he's going to But I'll just be pissed off at it all the time. You pay me to the... Yeah. So you were going to start you off at a rate of 10 PBR per episode? I'm now. <laughs> Noah's that was more, that was more than I was. I was Noah is PBR's biggest customer. 
Um, Here's another sponsorship opportunity. Yeah, PBR, if you're listening, we're available. At PBR Beer. Yeah. At Noah Ryle. I'm just a middleman here. When Noah walks into our local watering hole, the bird here in Jackson, none of the servers or bartender ever ask him what he wants. They just hand him a PBR pounder. One time I saw... What else could you want, man? One time I saw one bartender... You know the scene from Star Wars? We're in that pit. We're in the pit. The Sarlacc pit. The Sarlacc pit. The... And they're all just, they all look at each other and nod. Uh-huh. <laughs> I kid you not. One of the, there's two bartenders back there. One of them looks at the other one, looks at Noah, nods, nods <laughs> to the other one. And the guy grabs a PBR, hands it down the chain. Straight out of Star Wars. Oh, man, that's amazing. And you've done okay. that. You've done that, and you've only lived here. Uh, which since like November, last November. No, December. Like December. December. Yeah, in less than a year, Noah trained his bartender. He does. It it helps that he lives. He lives in an apartment connected to the bar. Yeah. (laughs) That 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 was a good some necessary background. Yeah, but still, it's impressive nonetheless. Yeah. Glad you guys are impressed by my PBR drinking. Yeah, I I am always so impressed. When I go to the bird, and I just love how the servers don't care who serve, who gets you a drink. Like I was sitting there one day, like waiting for you guys, and I, it was like ten minutes or something. And I, I'm pretty sure I got asked, "Do I need a drink?" Fifteen times. Everybody working there made sure that I needed. I, I was either gonna get a drink or getting a drink. And at that that day, I was waiting for to to get one until you guys got there. So I just had to say no to like fifteen people. Yeah, they're on their game. Noah and I went there for brunch one time. If you haven't gone for brunch, you should I'm go. Not yet. They don't have coffee though. Bring your own coffee. You can bring um, your own Elon coffee. Elon Musk is against yeah. it, but Amazon is all for it. That's what people say. Hi, the hydrogen fuel cells. Yeah. Which I auto company? I, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, but uh, how yeah, do you take Noah a, a, this, a company the size of Amazon and you get to be the spokesperson on Amazon's opinion on hydrogen fuel cells? Like, was it Jeff? Was it Bezos himself? Or is it like, I don't know. You know, who, you have who to know do they ask for like, that. what's your, what's Amazon's opinion on hydrogen fuel cells? One of 10,000 employees. <laughs> I don't know how many they have, but. That's like, I've gotten calls uh, like at the customer experience line, the CEO, people asking like the company's like view on like, I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> customer service is not where you want to get that headline. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that call you got with the. Uh, what was it? Are you for oil? Yeah. Patagonia turned us down. Will you? <laughs> Have you guys seen the the recent stuff about Backcountry.com? Yeah. Yeah. They're like. Yep. So the listeners. You're Backcountry.com, it's a website where you can buy like all the outdoor brands and uh, ski and snowboard gear and camping gear. And it's a pretty good good website for all that stuff. And they also make their own stuff also. Um, they obviously have a trademark on the word backcountry because it's their company name. And they've recently been suing a bunch of like small companies that also have the word backcountry in their name. And it's like... I've read a bunch of articles about it. Like half half people half people are like, screw backcountry, boycott backcountry. I've seen a bunch of that out here. If if your name was a word before you were a company, yeah, you can't sue other people who are using it 
as a geographic don't be an a geologic term or whatever it is. Because it's Probably. like it, it'll be like it'd be like a- Aspen Backcountry Outfitter, and they're suing them. Or is that true? Is that where it was? It's stuff like that. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, is that is that an organization that just sued? Uh, not exactly. No, okay. but stuff like that example? where it's like no, yeah, this yeah, town yeah. Backcountry Outfitter. Yeah, that that's the style of pe- of company they're suing. Uh, one called Backcountry Babes, which is like a, an, like an avalanche and backcountry education organization for for women. They're suing them because they were backcountry. Uh, so it's like half screw backcountry, and then it's like half um, uh, supporting because it's. I mean, they're not. They're following the law. They're following trademark law. So they're doing everything they need to do. They just want to own that word more, I guess. Well, they they uh, they sued what am i trying to say here they sued mount bohemia mount bohemia doesn't have didn't they no mount bohemia just oh mount bohemia just posted something i'm misunderstood they did not they audience. did not sue mount bohemia yet never mind mount bohemia just makes good t-shirts that are anti backcountry.com right now oh really mm-hmm. i wish i had gotten that when i lived in minnesota because it's like a full can we say the word? Backcountry.com. Oh, God. It's a full backcountry resort. They have a lift. Yeah, but it's not like groomed, right? That's a, that's a thing? You know, I don't know. I'm not informed. Don't quote me. Don't quote me. We're only here so we don't get fined. Um, <laughs> so, Alex, um, so what, what, was the, uh, what was your thought process you're living in Detroit. You um, you tried going to Michigan. You went to. You said you went to like a went to community college. Went to community yeah, college, yeah. and then and then what was it that made you want to come to Jackson? And when what was it that made you want to go when you did? And and that whole process of like what what took you from I'm just you know you're living in Detroit to I want to move to Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. Um, I had hit about the max amount of credits I could get at a community college. I had been working full-time, going to school, um, working towards my degree. I had transferred to University of Michigan-Dearborn and couldn't – had no way to pay for it. I wasn't going to take out loans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not independently wealthy. And finally, I just got to a tipping point where I said – I'm done with this. I need to go travel for a while. So I uh, finished the semester, quit my job, and I went and traveled uh, through Europe and did that for a bit. Lived on a few dollars a day, traveling around. Um, finally came back to the States, made got a job bar, bar backing and bartending, and then uh, – um, I had, had a trip planned out to Jackson. I'd never been to Jackson, but we were going to go some at the Grand Teton. Those, those climber friends you have? Yeah, with, with my climbing friends from Detroit. Uh-huh. And That's probably not a, a phrase that gets said too often. My climbing friends from Detroit. No. No, there's one climbing gym in Detroit. And it's popular, but... Is it a Vertical Endeavors? No. Oh. No, it's called Planet Rock. There's one in Ann Arbor, too. Um, great gym, best one I've ever been into, but it's not, there's not a huge climbing community in Detroit and there's no outdoor climbing within 
you have one top rope climbing spot within a six hour drive. Well, in, in lower Michigan, I should say. And, uh, is that like along one of the lakes? No, it's, in, it's right near Michigan state and right outside of Lansing. Oh. And, uh, we would have to drive six hours down to Kentucky to climb or to Devil's Lake in Wisconsin if we've ever been there. Uh, never been there, but I know where it is. Yeah, cool place. Um, and so, yeah, I came out here, and there were so many jobs out here, and I really, you know, my passions are outdoors, mostly climbing, mountaineering. Um, and I, I needed to get out of the city, move out west, and when I was visiting out here, there were so many jobs. I just applied to a bunch of them, took the first one that called me, packed my stuff up in my PT Cruiser, and uh, moved out here. Yeah, within within the two week time period. That's awesome. So it's just the 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 draw to get out of a downtown, get out of a city area, get into uh, the nature area of stuff that you like to do, the activities you like to do, mm-hmm. and then why was it? Did you pick here over other mountain towns because you just had been here and you saw all the jobs? It just lined it, up. It just lined up. Yeah, I just you walk around this town in the summer and. You see job postings everywhere in the newspaper, yeah. posted on businesses. Yeah, um, I had just been working, you know, maintenance, and like I said, bar, bar backing, bartending. Mm-hmm. Um, my resume wasn't the greatest. I I'm not above any sort of work, so uh, I figured I'll come out here, see what a month or two, I see what I can make out of a month or two here, and if I can find something permanent. I'll do it, and if not, I'll go back home. Um, I had been, I'd been renting a place for my grandpa, so it wasn't like I was tied into a lease. I could go back if I needed to. Uh-huh. Uh, it was it was just it was by no means ideal, but it it was probably more ideal than just packing up my stuff and not having a place to go back to. I guess so. Yeah, having that. It was a low risk in my in my mind. It was it was low risk in the sense that I wasn't going to be homeless at the end of the day. I mean, I have I lived out of my car when I first moved out here, um, but was I that wasn't. Like? Well, you know, PT Cruiser's not a big car. Did you like the seats <laughs> down and you like so stuff the, there? The nice part, I had. No, I just would like curl up in the back seat, back oh. like. Jeez. Yeah. That is not something. Um, or I'd fun. sleep in the front seat with. a back uh with the seat back you know just tilt it back Mm -hmm. um but yeah when i that hotel gig i first worked when i moved out here um they had a a shower and a kitchen and stuff so i could like sleep in my car and then go use the shower and kitchen did you just have your car parked like at the hotel or what did you yeah i would just sleep in the hotel parking lot (laughs) they have an issue with that no, no, I don't think they knew. I knew, I knew some of the like the people that I worked with knew, but I don't think my boss knew. Wow, I don't know if they would have had an issue with it. There's, it's actually like a, a bigger, a bigger issue than just you that hap, that that happens to here. There's all these different, whether they're working at hotels or like the river guides or, um, you know, the people that live in the that work in the tourism industry seasonally, especially in the summer, they. Um, there's not really great housing for like people that make that kind of money. So 
they end up just camping the whole summer and like hopping between campsites. No, you can sit in that chair. You can take all this stuff off. Hopping between campsites because there's like limits on stays at campsites. That's cool. And yeah. Some people are upset about the cooking. No, not, not us. And so there's a, a, a bigger number of people that either live in their cars they, or they just camp for their summer mm-hmm. here or they like have those travel vans. Right. Yeah, parking's an issue, especially since you get booted off the streets. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you have a van parked anywhere downtown or on one of the city streets, you're going to have the cops knocking on your door. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell your story of that happening? No, no. No, I just, yeah, I was sleeping in a van one time and cops came. It was not like I wasn't doing anything illegal. Um, I just got woken up in the middle of the night and needed to leave. Was it your van or was it somebody else's van? <laughs> if you don't want to tell it, that's fine. Um, so, the, yeah, there's a, they actually, I'm okay with them being that strict on that because it's like, if they, if they like let camper vans just be wherever in any parking lot, this town would be overrun by that. Oh, absolutely. I get what I like get it's why they do it. That it's not super camper van friendly. Right. I get why they do in it, town, but at the at same least. time, um, you do need to address an issue of the cost of living be, being so high here and lodging being such a scarcity. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be a median. It can't be. It can't be overrun, and it also can't be. There's no like. There's no way you can possibly. Like you need to have a solution for the the seasonal workers, I guess. And I know a lot of employers have employee housing. Yeah. Now, um, if you build, if any business builds uh, a new building, they have to include housing in the building for like twenty percent of their staff. Or they have to own a different building. Yeah. 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 Um, if you if you or if one of you were to just like get booted out of your place right now, would you have anywhere to go? Your place? His couch was Yeah. No yeah. slept on my couch. He can vouch for it. Yeah. <laughs> or Jeff has an extra room, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's not long-term, though. No. And then you'd be kind of like, leases here tend to run spring-fall. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I make enough where I'm – I Taylor and I make enough where we're not that – it wouldn't be that difficult. There's enough that we can find. The bigger thing for us – is finding dog-friendly housing. Oh, yeah, that's another big issue in this town. Like, I don't know what happened, and all of a sudden, like, this year and last year, is like nothing was dog-friendly. So I've been looking at housing for your, out here for years. If I was... At first thought, that's frustrating. At second thought, if I owned a property and was having short-term, like, maybe a year, two-year-long yeah. leases, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want dogs in my property either. Like if, well, like I'd want to, I, I don't think I'd put it in the ad. Well, this wood is actually specific for dogs. It's like, oh, that's cool. A, a pet. It's dog. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's dog. <laughs> it's actually like a pet friendly flooring specifically. That's cool. Maybe that increases value. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would totally, I wouldn't say no pets in, actually no cats. Fuck cats. No cats in it if I own a rental property. I don't like how cats pee in corners and you don't know until months later. Yeah. My parents have... Cats do things intentionally that, like, like that they're not supposed That's to That's very one of those, like, I'm going to 
make eye contact with you while I push this off the counter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, my parents have four cats at their house, and it is four? a zoo. Yeah, they so we had one, a family cat, and she was super nice. And then my stepbrother um, lived with this guy, and then out of nowhere, he just left and had three cats. Or no, uh, someone with this guy's sister. But uh, somehow my stepbrother just, out of nowhere, out of the blue, had three cats, and he didn't want to just give him to a shelter or let him die. So we brought him home and uh, they're pretty funny. My dogs will chase them all the time and they, they'll never do anything to them, but they just chase them because it's fun. No, Maverick is actually way more obsessed with chasing them. He'll like, <laughs> this is a funny story. Uh, I was just getting ready to leave my, my dad's house one day and Maverick had gone upstairs looking for cats and I just hear like some crashing like, like stuff just hitting the ground and then I hear him like screaming, Maverick screaming upstairs and I'm like, oh shit, what just happened? And I run up there and he was fucking with the cats and they all three, the three cats, they're all the ones that my stepbrother got are siblings, all related. They cornered Maverick and were like sitting there pawing at him and hissing at him like and he's just freaking out like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. So you majorly fudged up there. Cool. So, um, getting back on track to, so you you were here. You're working in. You're working at the hotel, living in your car. Yeah. And then uh, didn't you tell me s- uh, someone that you just met here just like offered you to live at their place for a little bit? Yeah. Right? So I didn't I didn't know anybody moving out here. So I made it an effort to talk to people my age. And so, I had met a few people at the climbing wall, and ended up becoming friends with them. Friendly, we'll call them hippie. We'll call them hippie friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I uh, I had had enough at that hotel job. Let's just say it's not what I had thought it would be. Um, and it was like I had lined up another job working for a moving company, and. I was no longer going to be able to sleep in the hotel parking lot, so I was a bit concerned because, like, the PT Cruiser can't get to trailheads. It's not like I could have gone to Crystal Creek and camped, yeah. you know. Um, camping in, in the parks, for those of you that don't know, the national parks are expensive to, to camp in. And it's just you're stacked on top of people yeah. with limits. Um, so right exactly when I needed to find a place to live – Two of these guys that I had met approached me and they're like, hey, we're moving to our new place. We have like a third space we need to fill for a month if you want to take it. And I was like, absolutely. Um, so I crashed their couch for a month and I paid them 400 bucks for the month. Um, and then I told myself by the end of that month, if I didn't have a place to live, it was going to be November 1st, which is cold here. Mm-hmm. can't sleep can't like long term sleep outside at that point or in your car yeah um, I said if I didn't have a place to live by November 1st I was going to move home and with maybe a week left in November 1st my boss at the moving company came in and said hey is anybody looking for a place to live and I was like yes and there had been nothing in the newspapers nothing anywhere that I could find um 
I didn't have a ton of money to like front for a place myself. So I had moved in to his old room with, um, yeah, like I said, a week, a week left of my deadline there and everything lined up the way it needed to, to keep me out here. Was that your apartment behind, um, the whole grocery? grocery? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that was, you could have very easily not been here. Any yeah. Longer. Yeah. I could be back in Detroit, like plugging away at a degree. Yeah. While I was working full time and being miserable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, how much after, how long after that until you uh, got your job at Steel? So I started week of Black Friday. Which you in, just apply, which you in, just applied to a bunch of jobs and this is one that you got or so Steo had an ad in the newspaper and they were touting um, you know unlimited paid vacation after two years and mm-hmm. an X Y and Z and uh, yeah I just applied and got the job I didn't think I'd get the job my resume isn't the greatest when it comes to like I've I've held jobs for a long time but they haven't been anything special so yeah um, so anything, got lucky yeah I mean like that's that's that another like thing where it was like what's that I got an A in keyboarding I think that's what got me hired um <laughs> so that, that was, was another thing that kept me out here uh-huh. I if I was working for a moving company I would still be out here yeah um so everything lined up the way it needed to. And that, and that is, so that job is kind of when you kind of, you're kind of transitioning a little bit out of that right now. Right. But it was customer experience team. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still do that. I mean, I have a more specialized role now, but, um, the way I view that type of thing is foot in the door. Yeah. So, I mean, steel is a great company. We get, we get, great amounts of work-life balance which is important to me yeah the whole i I mean the whole soul of the company is building gear for being out in the mountains every single day yeah so they they allow you guys to do that really well well. yeah they do and i've never worked for a company that's been so about it's important to the company's identity that we all do what we say we do yeah so like we go on ski breaks in the middle of the day and yeah. How could they, they brand themselves as like, like I just said, building products to be in the mountains every single day, being really, really uh, pushed to their limits. The products are, how could they try to sell it that way without having the soul in their employees of doing all that? Right. You know, because I bet the best, the best product testers are just the employees, right? I'd say we do most of the. Product I mean, the people probably. Yeah, they don't need like, they don't need to give it to some athlete. They can just give it to anybody who lives in Jackson, and it'll get, it'll get test to its limits. Yeah, and the cool thing about Jackson is everybody here, and and Steel employees is pretty intense, in regards to passion for the outdoors, passion for the mountains. Yeah, so, definitely. I said that's I why. Like, I don't think you live in Jackson. Without that. Yeah, and that's I something t- that's well, cool about really Jackson. It brings right. People are here for something, and so everybody's like-minded in the sense that you, you all have that connectedness, which you know in most places you don't necessarily have that. Yes, certainly in Detroit or Minneapolis, like 
you could be living right next door to someone that has, I mean, you're, you have things in common with them, but you're not trying to get to the same place. You're not trying to do the same things as them. Right. We're here. We all have different jobs. We're all from different places, but we're all out here mostly to ski and snowboard. And then we all have our summer activities and that's pretty much everyone. And, um, you know, you could, you could find some random, anybody randomly on the street and you're going to have an activity in, in common with them. Yeah, absolutely. Because whether it's hiking or just the vast majority are here for skiing and snowboarding, but right. yeah. But I said this on the, on Jeff's the episode with Jeff too, that the Jackson shows and makes it really clear who, who wants to be here, who really wants to be here because it's so difficult to live here. If you don't absolutely love it and need it, mm-hmm. you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to work hard enough and do the things you need to do to stay here long term. Right. So it shows, it, it shows, it makes people show what they really want. And if it's, if they don't really want to be in the mount, these mountains all the time, every day and work really hard to get that, People won't, they won't stay here very long. No, there's no reason to be here. You can make money elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you can go to Denver, yeah. and, and there's a lot more opportunity there, and you're near the mountains, access to the mountains, but you're not in them like we are here. Right. No, it's it's really cool. And so, yeah, the people who live here, you know, longer than a year, they just absolutely adore it, adore living here. Mm-hmm. And I've I really liked when I meet more people, and I just feel the passion for Jackson come back to me because I have a lot of passion for it and I'm sure it comes off when I talk about it to people, but it's great to feel it come back from people that have lived here for a while. They just, Mm -hmm. you you know, you know, we know now like what it takes to live here for a long time. And so it's really cool. Someone's like, yeah, I've lived here for 20 years and, and what that, what that really means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes, and you sacrifice a lot too, because you're so isolated. Yeah. You're so isolated. It's, it's hard to get to, I mean, flying out of here is expensive. Yeah. Um, there's no, no almost nobody has mail. Here. What do you do? Do you have a mailbox at your house? Uh, no, I have PO box. Yeah, we have yeah. PO box here. Noah, do you have a mailbox? PO box. I can't move it into my, my apartment. <laughs> yeah. So this is three. Yeah, just, just go around the bar. <laughs> I've actually been I've go actually up the stairs. A, I've ordered something and like it was shipped <laughs> FedEx, and I had it's nice to be here. Come sit over here, Noah. And okay, move over, Alex. I had ordered something online, and it was being shipped either UPS or FedEx. And um, I had like the the actual like I had the people from UPS or FedEx, whichever whichever one it was, I don't remember. And they were like, "Yeah, so do you live at a like? Is this like a, a commercial like like what is the what is this place?" And I was like, "Oh, like it's." They were like, "Is that a restaurant? Is it a bar?" I was like, "Yeah." They were like, "Where can we leave?" I was like, "You know what? This isn't gonna work." And I was like, "Can I like update?" Update the shipping address. They're like, yeah, like, we don't know what this what's going on here. Um, so yeah, it's just like a headache as far as that goes. But that was mostly location. But other than that, it's more so just it's funny. the fact that you know being in Mountain Town, not having having a you know, local like post office box at your house. Yeah, yeah, and that's like yeah. everyone here. Like this living is we the, living behind a bar that proves difficulty with that type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and living we, behind we have, a bar. I just picture you with a tent in a dumpster. <laughs> in a dumpster, exactly. A dumpster, bunch of PBR like, empties. Like the the guy from uh, It's Always Sunny. PBR he always walks in. He's like, I don't know. Oh, fuck, I can't remember the guy's name. He's the, the homeless, guy. He's the homeless guy. 
Uh, Always knows. walks into the bar and asks if he can smoke PCP in the bathroom. <laughs> the one that was like a priest, <laughs> oh, that guy? <laughs> he was Rickety the, Cricket? Yeah, he was the Him? priest and then he came home. Yeah, Cricket. I think he like lives behind the bar or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know where he lives. He's not really in the, the, the latest season very but much. But when I said lives behind the bar, I picture that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 very different. <laughs> yeah. And this is... Not that guy. No. And for the listeners, so, so Noah lives in an apartment that's connected to a bar, but it's not out of town. Alex lives in the heart of Jackson, basically, in a house. And I live in a house um, on a hill next to Jackson, but we're, like, kind of separate. And three different examples. All of them should have a mailbox, but none of us have a mailbox. Yeah. Um, so that's one not, thing that we give up here. Life, though. We give up, like, you know, there's not a Target. The Kmart's closing. Did you know that? I heard that. I heard they're going to put in a Target. Are they? That was a rumor. My Minnesotan heart is be, would be beaming. I if also they did heard that. Walmart. There, there really should be a Walmart. The freaking Waltons have an enormous ranch here. Why do you want a I, the last thing I want is Walmart. I take a Target over Walmart. <laughs> what's What's the difference? Target. In your mind, Target's just better. I agree. Minnesota. I don't think anybody would tell you Walmart's better than Target. Well, it's certainly <laughs> cheaper. Walmart is cheaper, but like groceries are cheaper there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just a negative connotation towards Walmart. It's like I, I could see that. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't. To those I, of you I, that, I feel that way. To those I'm, of you that love I'm, Walmart, I'm sorry. Tall, Where do you think they put it? Just in the Kmart spot? Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, yeah. That'll be a very small. Walmart, Target, or Walmart? Yeah, whatever they put in. Both. I heard. I heard Walmart doesn't want to go there because Walmart wants it to look like a Walmart and yeah. you know, Jackson, you have to have the log cabin. look like, yeah. you know how the log cabin, like that Kmart right now, they have the like timber yeah. like cover to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't do think, I don't think Walmart it. would want that. Yeah. But you gotta, um, the opportunity to have that kind of store here is, would be an enormous financial gain if they just figured out how to would it? have something. I, I think it's black. To have a Walmart here? I think you'd lose money. Yeah, how, does, how is there a subway here? I think about that all the time. I don't know. Where is it? Subway's next to like Hobart, or next to Big O Tires, isn't it? Or, not Big O. Um, it's by Fitzgerald's in, in uh, Hoback. Domino's. Right by Domino's. Domino's makes sense, though, because you sell pizzas at high volume, but I don't know. Subway? It's... There's not uh, a truck just like backed into the driveway. Yeah. I sound, sound like uh, the, there's not – there's almost no um, fast food here. There's like a Wendy's. There's a McDonald's, McDonald's. Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen and Subway. Subway. Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. But Domino's. Yeah. Not very I mean, much. There's, there's, there's a good there's, bit compared to like small town. This is Everywhere the biggest, has a subway. This is the subway biggest is town of 10,000 you've ever been to, though. Yeah, it's the town yeah, of, yeah. a town of 10,000. That's actually probably more like 7,000 because people just have residency here for the taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we support 3 million tourists mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. Year-round. Yeah. It's so nice. It's It's been really n- nice weather here lately with no tourists because everyone, kind of after Labor Day, people don't really come here very often. So a lot of the stuff, a lot of the restaurants do two-for-one deals. You know, the bars aren't super packed. 
the more popular recreation areas aren't very packed with people. The park is really cool to go in right now because there's no one in there. So right now it's been a, it's been a fun time lately. We went to Teton Tiger last night. Yeah, two for ones. Two oh, for yeah. ones everywhere. Not everywhere, but there's, yeah, there's a good did. handful. When Teton Tiger happens to be one of those places. Yeah, we did uh, Bin Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. They did. They do like a buy one get one for two dollars, mm-hmm. and the two dollars goes to the hospital. Okay, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Cool. Like a hospital. Oh, so there's there's all about that. A yeah. number of restaurants are doing the buy one get one for two, and the two dollars yeah. donated. I yeah. think tie me up is. I uh, don't quote me. Okay, this is the moral of the podcast. If you want to Don't figure out, me. if you want to figure out the actual deals, the listeners here, go yeah, go to buckrail.com. They have all the deals. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're not in Jackson, uh, look that up and then plan a trip out here and then and text me. We can hang out. Ooh. it's okay. This is like <laughs> desperate for people to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> 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 when Taylor's working, Sorry, like this, she's in a stretch right now where she works five nights in a row. Uh-huh. We so almost don't even see each other. Mm-hmm. So if we get into these stretches, I'm like hanging with the dogs the whole time. I'm yeah. like, I need some hum- so, some human interaction. Yeah, I don't need yeah, a lot. Yeah. But there you go. Did, now did you put this, that up or did she? Uh, Taylor and her mom. Ha- Oh, sorry. For those who are just listening, we have a Christmas we have a Christmas tree up and all Christmas our Christmas tree. decorations. Fake Christmas tree. Um, we got it all up because Taylor's mom and sister were here, and that's something they like to do together. So oh, they did that all. Now I feel bad. Now I feel bad that I was making fun of it. Are you guys going to cut one down in the forest this year? No. This is more eco-friendly to I have agree. this. because we're not I'm not, I'm not for cutting down the forest trees. I'm kind of a screw. A plastic so. tree is way friendly. <laughs> They're gonna throw out at some point. What if it's recycled plastic? That this isn't that, but who, that'd be cool, huh? It's still gonna be thrown out. You want to start a business? But is that? Yes, I do. Is that? Hey, Christmas trees made out of plastic bottles. Recycled, dude. Upcycled. We'll sell it. Down a tree in, in the forest. We'll sell it in Denver. San Fran. Out there, people with LA, LA, who who have real New York trees, City. Because I value that. Austin. Vermont, Vermont. Wait, what do you? What, what's being listed? I missed. No, we're, we're doing it. We're doing upcycled, um, fake tree, fake, fake yeah. Christmas trees. We're gonna so melt take down water bottles. Ocean, ocean plastic, and you turn it into that. Even better. Or you could go. Um, what real people should should do? Why are you so set on getting a real tree? Uh, I don't know. My family's always done it. I think it's badass. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It definitely Just smells better. Chest. No. It just it gives it put no, but it does put a tree in your living room, <laughs> which some people might think is a strange thing, but Christmas trees are cool. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing with the Christmas trees. So let's say you cut it down right after Thanksgiving. You got this thing for a month, and then you throw it out. It goes into the landfill, or you burn it. It's a tree. It could be living, producing oxygen for the rest of us. No, There's the Christmas, rainforest. I'm supporting the local rainforest farms. It, local Christmas tree farms need my. Christmas tree dollars. They don't. They order. don't. Though. You know, I, mean, I, don't think they have, I don't think they have. My dad. Anymore. My in dad around, sold yeah. Christmas trees when he was in high school. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> did he like have a plot for them, or did he just like? I think somebody owned a plot and brought in the trees. And it was a Christmas them. tree farm. Yeah. That, like you know, you you never seen that? We had yes. Those, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I asked about the plot. That's what I meant. Okay, I got you. He probably. Okay. I mean, in the city though, like you're not gonna have a plot in the city, so you bring it from like mid Michigan and then. 
Yeah. Bring it into the city. Have them stand up. Yeah. Sell them. I support whatever Christmas tree you choose to have in your living room. Yeah, we're not going to... sorry for making an argument. <laughs> over, over, Christmas over a Christmas tree. tree. So we have ours up. It's uh, we. What is it? What's the date? The tenth? No, November. The ninth. We, we had out the seventh, which I'm I'm okay with because Christmas. I mean, it. I'm kind of a Scrooge, but this just having like these nice lights and the red and the soft and the we so we put these. Taylor sheets. does a good job. Yeah, Taylor good job. absolutely adores like decorating, decorating, and hosting. As you guys know from being here when we host stuff, charcuterie. Like she goes balls to the wall and like wanting to create like a homey space. She does a good job. She yeah. does a really good job. And Taylor's where I host. have like zero, probably most men have like zero sense or drive to do that. <laughs> um, she makes any sort of gathering feel like it's actually something special, and that's, that's not Im- just that's important, and that's not Im- just us important. bums getting together to drink beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which could be the nature of, of a lot mm-hmm. of you know. Social social settings that we take part in, but it's good to have. It's good to offset that. Yeah, yeah. No, talk a little bit louder. Okay. See, when I talk, how big the waves are. His waves are bigger than your waves. Dude, he shreds big waves. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sorry, listeners. No one. I don't talk very loud. We no one. No one wasn't here for the sound test, so he didn't get to see like what what we what we're looking for in the sound waves. And I can also when I edit this, I'll I can. That's the volume of different parts too. Oh, yeah. So don't worry, worry too much about it. Shredding huge sound waves. So, um, I mean, no, since you're here, I kind of want to get into your story, but I think we should say that for another episode. I think we should. So, folks, I come back for Noah's full episode. It'll be out episode soon. Episode four? Question um, mark? Yeah. I mean, whenever Noah wants to record it. Maybe record it right when, after this. Whenever. Yeah. All right, folks. So there you have it. That is Alex Kissenergus's story from a mountain town. My name is Tyler. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, If you want to be, if you want to have an episode on your own here on the show, or you have something you'd like for us to do on the show, or anything like that. Always text me if you, have, if you have my number or DM me on Instagram is uh, where most of you probably know me from. But thank you and uh, see you later. All right, folks. I actually forgot to ask Alex the question that I ask and will ask all my guests here. And Noah's sitting here too, so he's going to get a sneak peek at the question. So um, of all the words, who, what, when, where, and why – what is most important to you in your life? Probably freedom. That's none of the answers. That, you have what to pick it, one of the words. What do you who, mean? Pick one, <laughs> one of the words, who, what, where, when, and why, when or why. Probably and so, for example, the where is, is the most important for me because I just wanted the where to be here, to be Jackson. I didn't care as much what I was doing here. I didn't care as much why I was here. I didn't care as much um, who I was with. You know, there is where, what, when, where, why. I'd probably go with why. The why. Nice. You're the first to say the why. Yeah, the why. Why do I do what I do? And why, why yeah, explain I, that. Why do you 
find the why to be the most important? I feel like why is the basis of all decisions, right? At least my decisions. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, I don't. It's not like I love Jackson. It's a great place. I, I didn't. I don't live here necessarily for Jackson itself, but rather for the opportunities it presents me. Uh-huh. And it's the the why. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense to me. I don't know. The why, awesome. That's a great answer. I'm just, I'm just, I asked, I'm going to ask that to every single guest that comes on and just see what the people say. Because it's an interesting question. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Sorry about that. False ending. But now we are done. Thank you for listening.